We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse on this Saturday morning. I am David Haw here with you until 11 o'clock with Bruce Levine, just like we are every Saturday morning between 9 and 11, 52 weeks a year, talking baseball on the score and talking to you this morning live from the Hyundai studios by the score, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And Bruce, we have had a very wintry week in Chicago. We have had the worst the weather and winter can give us. And yet, and yet... The warmth of baseball was very nice to see and feel when pitchers and catchers reported to Arizona Cubs and Sox back in business, back on the field and the diamond. What a welcome sight. Some really fun stuff this week to discuss. Looking forward to the show. How are you this morning, my friend? I'm doing great, David. And uh, yeah, watching the B-roll, you know, the <laughs> B-roll from both uh, Glendale with the White Sox pitchers and catchers and the Cubs pitchers and catchers from Mesa, uh, that was that was great. I mean, uh, like you said, 30 inches of snow on the ground, uh, sub-zero weather, and uh, the warmth of a baseball season uh, on the horizon is something to keep you feeling very good. And we feel good about the fact that you are with us on this Saturday morning. We're here for you every Saturday, 9 until 11, talking baseball on the score. David uh, can be reached uh, as well as I can on our score phone line and text line at 312-644-6767. We have a couple of great guests for you today. Cody Hoyer of the Chicago White Sox bullpen joining us. John Chambi, the new voice of Cub Baseball on the Marquee Network, joining us as well. Your participation is always important and very much looked forward to. Absolutely. We can talk baseball for a couple hours. No more Bears quarterback problems. No more Bulls, Blackhawks losses from last night. Let's talk baseball. Cubs and White Sox, 312-644-67. You can call. You can text. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Bruce, I think the jumping off point is here this week as much as it sort of is a, a, a newness uh, of every new season, the feeling that that brings. There was some familiarity on both sides of town in both camps in Arizona. In Glendale, they welcomed back Tony LaRussa for the first time in a very long time since he had managed uh, since 2011 with the Cardinals, or even longer since he has been in a White Sox uniform. And so Tony LaRussa returns as a manager of the White Sox and the Cubs. Welcome back an old friend in Jake Arrieta, who every time you see him, you think of the golden age of Cub baseball, 2015 and 16, when they don't do what they did without Jake Arrieta. Two old faces, kind of familiar 
familiar uh, personas and strong personalities, both of them. Let's start with LaRusa, Bruce, because I think that was created maybe the biggest consternation this offseason. His first few days back, generally speaking, what was the impression that he left with you and what was going through your mind as you watched him on the B-roll kind of maneuvering, walking around camp and saying what he had to say? Well, I thought it was interesting uh, the first day uh, that uh, Marusa had his camp. Uh, he told the, the White Sox Media Relations Department to have people ready at 4.40 Chicago time, and he will uh, be there to do his Zoom. And one hour and 40 minutes later, he walked in. And uh, that was totally on him. He took total responsibility for it, took the media relations department off the hook for having us waiting there for an hour and 40 minutes, and talked a lot about, uh, David, the idea that uh, he had so much detail to go over with his coaches about what they saw the first day, what they want the rest of the camp, uh, how, how refined they want some of the workouts to be. And, and this is just with pitchers and catchers in camp. The full squads don't report until the 22nd officially, which will be on Monday. But from that perspective alone, I took a lot out of it, other than the hour and 40 minutes I I was staring at my computer waiting for him to show up. That was kind of odd and maybe not the best way to – get started for a guy who wanted everybody to give this you, know, you want to give the impression you're ready you're raring to go and you know you can you can tell time you can be punctual you can do all the things that that uh you you know you want managers and players to do i i guess that it's going to take a little bit of a while to adjust that's not we're not going to hold that against him i guess what i was um i guess what i was most struck by bruce you know and we can get into the uh, the the inconsistencies with the the story about you know who when did Rick Hahn know what he knew when he when they hired him even though we have sort of litigated that in the in the court of public opinion before but it, we can go there if you like I was more struck by how I feel like Tony Larusa went out of his way to be positive about individual pitchers he was making his making the rounds to observe to compliment to critique. And uh, it, I think it will take a while before we get used to hearing what he has to say. But uh, there's going to be an adjustment phase. And I think that I don't want to call it awkwardness yet, but I do think that there's going to be some, some growing pains in, in how, um, how he is perceived and, may, and maybe uh, just how he adjusts. Yeah, I think he laid it all out that first day. And he pretty much said, you know, I'm starting with zero credibility here. As far as the players go, I have to build on that. And he didn't shy away from any of the questions about his uh, previous DUIs and the uh, the fact that uh, this isn't uh, the way to start out. So even though it was a second round of questions about that because he'd already done a, uh, a Zoom on this before, he didn't shy away. He didn't act like uh, the questions were unfair. He didn't make any faces. I think uh, this is a different communicator than uh, – than I've seen with the media before. This is a guy that understands the job is so much different now, David, than it was in 1979 when he took over the White Sox and talked to two or three media guys around the cage before the game and three or four after the game, and it was uh, four or five minutes. These are long productions that Tony is pretty much used to from the time he left the job in 2011 till now, knowing that communication with the – with the, the fan base and uh, communication with the world out there goes through the media. And this is the only way right now because of the fact of COVID and, and Zoom calls being the way to, that people 
are uh, able to get the information out. So I, I, saw, I thought it was pretty refreshing that uh, he was responsive to everything, not, not acting like this was a big chore to go over and over some of those questions that were asked before. That was welcome because nobody should diminish the seriousness and the gravity of having two DUI arrests. And, and I'm glad that he didn't, and I'm glad that he, he sounded as serious as those charges imply and that they are, because they are. The the thing that we talked about all week, you know, uh, with you as well, Bruce, on, on the Mullen Haw Show, is, is that when, when this came up, I just don't believe it was anybody's surprise or that anybody under, has any misunderstanding here. This was a process, the hiring process, that Jerry Reinsdorf took control of. And the fact that Rick Hahn was maybe caught off guard by – by the revelation of the DUI arrest or the fact that Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to hire Tony La Russa in the first place. Nobody is going to believe that this was anything but a Jerry Reinsdorf production. And so, you know, the, the process, yeah, no the should timeline. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Because he's, he's the owner. He's going to do do as he, as he wishes, like it or not. Right. And uh, I think you, the biggest decision he made uh, prior to this was, pretty much overruling his front office uh, a year ago and signing Jose Abreu to a three-year contract instead of holding firm on two. Uh, I think the front office was uh, pretty much saying, hey, look, we're, we're getting a guy that's going toward his middle 30s here. Um, you know, we want to couch that. And Reinsdorf uh, said, no, you know what? I think uh, after six years of great production from this guy, we'll give him three. And he stuck to three. So that was his biggest move before hiring Larusa. That's the last time he put his foot down and said, "No, I, I think we should give him three. So and, from that perspective, yeah. um, that was a good call. Let's see if this one works out the same way. Let's see if this one works out the same way. It's going to be a while before we get a good feel and sense of that. I think now you're looking at his pedigree, his past, and the fact that he is a Hall of Fame manager. And, Bruce, he did address it directly when he spoke for the first time in a White Sox uniform in, in many, many years. Here's what he had to say. Anytime you come to a new ball coach, familiarity is a big issue. A lot of decisions coaching staff makes, including the manager, are based on what you've learned about what a guy can do and what you should try to avoid, right? I also think that most often, I mean, I've said a few times, the great fortune to be able to walk into this situation with a club that's ready to win. Here, it's really important to recognize that we got to get better in a hurry as far as the coaching staff and I uh, recognizing what has to be done. The one thing I was impressed with when you watch him in person, talent is real. <laughs> talent is real, Bruce. We all know that. So does Ricky Renneria. He knows the talent was real as well. And he's uh, <laughs> sitting number, this one yeah. out. Yeah, uh, number 22, Tony La Russa. He wasn't 22 the first time around, was he, Bruce? He wasn't. 10. That wasn't. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So he's number 22. What, what does that do to the Sox fans' memory of a Scott Pesednik? Doesn't he belong to be the 22 in their hearts and their memories? Yeah, they should have retired it, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know. That. Our, our, our old friend Harry Tynowitz was the numbers king, and he always he always had he, – he would tell you not only uh, Tony's number 10, but what he wore as a player uh, in the three or four teams that he had brief, brief coffee, uh, cup of coffees with. But nonetheless, um, I, I think the guy has is, is done the right thing up till now. You know, this is, this is a tough beginning here. He answered all those questions like, 
you know, I think Sully, uh, Paul Sullivan, our friend from the Tribune, asked him if he had second thoughts and he thought about resigning after, uh, you know, some of the things occurred as far as, uh, you know, the offseason and this DUI coming out. But uh, he, uh, he's, he's, he stood there strong and he stood there uh, with, good, with great communication. I think that's, that's what I want to see. I think that's what everybody wants to see, uh, a leader out there that understands the role not only from the perspective of the players and the ownership, but also from uh, the, the media responsibility to the fan base. And, Bruce, the talent is real, and the talent is uh, in abundance with the White Sox, so much so that Rick Hahn, speaking the language that every White Sox fan wants to hear, said that this is a, in case you missed it, in case you had any questions at all, there was no ambiguity. This is a World Series or bust type of season. This is a season that if the Sox don't win it, they're going to feel disappointed because of the way that they have structured everything. That's why they fired Ricky Renteria. That's why they went out and they got Lance Lynn. That's why they have done everything that they have done this offseason. And frankly, the way I interpret what Rick Hahn had to say as well is that, okay, Jerry Reinsdorf, I know this wasn't a direct appeal, but okay, uh, the owner who got his manager and went out and, and hijacked the process – if you are in a position where you are contending and you need a piece during the season, you're going to go out. The, the budget needs to be able to allow it. And now that you are a World Series or bust proposition for 2021, that means spending if you need to. That goes out and trying to win it all now. Yeah, I agree with you, David. And uh, I don't think uh, regardless of the LaRusse situation, this diminishes Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams at all and all the things that they've done. I mean – uh, it's not like uh, Jerry is in there telling them what uh, bullpen guys to sign or who should be the coaches at uh, double and triple A. Uh, this is uh, Rick Hahn and uh, Kenny Williams production baseball wise. Uh, the owner is there just to be who he is. And he doesn't shy away from saying, at times, I'm going to assert myself because I'm the owner. I mean, I, I, I have no problem with that. Maybe some other people do. They want to live in the fantasy world of believing that General managers make all the calls as far as player movement and money. That that really doesn't exist out there in the world that we're in as far as sports go. So while we were welcoming Tony LaRusso back on uh, the south side or in Glendale with the White Sox over over with the Cubs at Sloan Park, they were welcoming back another familiar face. And Jake Arrieta back, good old number 49. Uh, he is in Cubs camp, and he was the subject of what, Jed Hoyer had to say earlier this week, welcoming Big Jake back when he talked about him on the Bernstein and Rahimi show. He looked really good in, in the bullpen he threw for a lot of teams. I was talking to Jake before that, before his workout. And he, he was, he was going to do that, but we were in contact before that. And I think for us, it just confirmed that, you know, there's, there's no question that there, there's certainly good baseball left for this guy to pitch. You know, obviously his last two seasons with Philly uh, were a little bit injury plagued and you know, weren't, weren't his best. But I don't know, I have a lot of confidence. I think Jake has a lot of confidence in the fact that, you know, he can sort of reach his, what his current potential is the best with the Cubs. He's comfortable here. You know, he's been, he's trusted these coaches to, to make adjustments with him. He's trusted these trainers and these trained coaches to make adjustments with him. And I think that matters. I mean, like, like I said, I think that comfort matters. And I think that, you know, you know what, what Jake has left and what in, in, in terms of, you know, pitching really good baseball, I think the Cubs will, will maximize that. And I think he feel, he felt the same way. And that was why, you know, it felt like a likely reunion, I think, after the first couple of times we talked. 
That was Jed Hoyer on with Dan and Layla earlier this week. And, Bruce, how much does Jake Arrieta have left, do you think? Well, I think he's got plenty left. And, and uh, when I say that, I don't think he's the, the guy that we saw in 15 and 16. Uh, no, but I, I still think he has pitchability. And the, the, the way to get people out without uh, the power slider and the power fastball, he knows how to throw a, a number of different pitches. Uh, he still has a plus fastball. It's not 94, 95, but it's 92 at it, maybe 93 at its best. But uh, th- this guy brings a lot to the table. And, and David, what I like most about the signing is he comes here without ex- great expectations from anybody. Right. Yes, there are expectations that he pitches up to a certain level, but he doesn't have the expectations that he had going to Philadelphia trying to fulfill a, a $75 million uh, three-year contract. He doesn't have the expectations of uh, pitching like he did when he was 30 years old. I think he comes here as a veteran pitcher who can bring an awful lot, uh, hopefully on the field, but also off. We saw evidence of that after he threw his side session uh, yesterday by going and watching Edward Alzelay throw his side session. David Ross mentioned in his Zoom uh, how impressed he was that he w- wanted to go see him pitch and have conversation with him after he threw. Uh, and the, there was some B-roll of him uh, working with uh, Adbert about the grip on the ball. So there, there are a lot of ancillary things that can uh, be a benefit to the Cubs by having Jake Arrieta there. Number one, of course, is he's got to show up and he's got to pitch well. Is there a bonus in his contract to be the assistant pitching coach to a Tommy Hotovy? Because it looked <laughs> like he was trying to do that. The other day, and Bruce, I just want to point out for the record, 918 on Saturday morning, February 20th of 2021, you did take the bait. You used the word pitchability in reference to the Cubs staff. We heard that a lot this week. We're going to continue to hear it because they have a lot of guys who are soft tossers. And Kyle Hendricks talked about the difference. You know, there's velocity, then there's pitchability. Jed Jed Hoyer referenced it. And I think that's something you're going to hear a lot from that staff. Well, look, you have who's the ace? It's uh, Kyle Hendricks. What pitcher uh, personifies that more than Kyle Hendricks in baseball with what he does with an 87 to 89 mile an hour fastball and being a dominant pitcher, winning an ERA crown a couple of years ago, um, under three ERA last year, third most innings in baseball, Kyle Hendricks last year. So uh, their pitchability is a big deal and uh, nobody personifies it like Kyle. And we should hear from Kyle Hendricks. He was on earlier this week with Parkins and Spiegel, and I think that is the uh, that is the next direction we will head when we come back. We'll hear from Kyle Hendricks. What did he have to say? Also, Bruce, we've got a big show coming up. We've got Cody Hoyer, the White Sox reliever, at 940. Boog Shambi at 10. I am David Hall with Bruce Levine inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. I position myself well. I think I'm ready to take on a full load again. Uh, I know what it's like to go through a full season, so I can lean on that experience. But I just want to be there, be that consistent force for the, these guys. You know, take the ball every fifth day, and they know what they can get out of me. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. 9 to 11, 52 weeks a year talking baseball here in Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine. That was the voice of Kyle Hendricks. He was on earlier this week with the new afternoon show, Parkins and Spiegel. Had a lot to say. And, and Bruce, I feel like when David Ross named Craig Kimbrell the closer this week, it was almost as obvious as saying that, okay, Pat Hughes is our play-by-play guy, right? Or this is Who else was it going to be that was right in front of us to see? And 
And, and of course, that is the case. And I feel like it's even more obvious than when we talk about the ace of the Cubs staff and that being Kyle Hendricks and whether or not uh, he has been that guy in previous years. There have been other pitchers, you know, who have emerged. There was Darvish. There was Lester. There was Jake Arrieta before him. But no ambiguity here. No doubt about it. Kyle Hendricks, ace of this staff. He's ready for that challenge. Yes, he is. And, you know, he, he just has a, such a calm and, and um, I, I would put it uh, just a relaxing way that he goes about his intensity. Uh, you know, the, the name uh, the professor comes naturally um, because of the way he looks, but also the way he uh, handles himself. He's a very bright guy, as we all know. And, uh, you know, he has uh, just uh, internalized all that he needs to to go along with his uh, pitching prowess to get the very best out of who he is and what he does. I mean, when, when he was acquired, you know, eight or nine years ago for, um, for uh, Ryan Dempster, uh, you know, nobody thought anything about the guy. I mean, he went to the Cubs minor leagues. He was named the minor league pitcher of the year for the Cubs uh, the one year, but uh, you know, throwing maxing out 87, 88, sometimes 89, uh, nobody took it very seriously until he came aboard and, and showed, uh, along with the help from Chris Basio, his pitching coach at that time, what a confidence and paying attention to detail can get you if you're a major league pitcher. And he has worked through the pitching coaches and, and kind of always been his own, his best at his own counsel because he is a guy that doesn't necessarily need a lot of direction. He is the thinking man's pitcher, and you know he can be as more impressive than intimidating, as he sort of alluded to this week, because of that, what you said, the pitchability. And he's always going to be that guy that is one step ahead. He's always going to be that guy that confuses with the changeup and the location and pitches his way out of jams. He's on a staff, Bruce, as we know, though, with Zach Davies, with Alec Mills, with these guys who are similar in style. There's going to be this issue of, all right, how does that play when you're having these guys consecutively in a rotation or just throughout a series. And he was asked this week with with Parkins and Spiegel on our afternoon show just about the, the soft tossing maybe tendency that the Cubs rotation has. You know what? I think uh, we're going to have to intimidate people in the strike zone. You know, when, when you start breaking bats and uh, when someone is 0 for 3 and they look up and you've only touched 86, you know, it starts to get in their head a little bit. So I think at the end of the day, if we just focus on getting out, and making pitches, that's the name of the game anyway. You know, So it's, it's a good thing for us that velocity doesn't win games. Um, I'm really excited about the group we got, honestly. It's, it's like you said, a bunch of guys that can pitch, change speeds, move the ball around, uh, but we all bring a little something different. You know, so, But at the end of the day, each one of these guys wants to win and they compete out there, and I've seen that from the other side. So it's just really going to be fun to get to know these guys, learn from them, you know, hopefully um, build that camaraderie you know, and have that – have that end goal in mind where we want to be at the end of the year. That was Kyle Hendricks on earlier this week with Matt Spiegel and Danny Parkins. Good stuff, Bruce. Yeah, and on top of all of that, um, you know, the, the reality here is that uh, when you have guys that make pitches, and Trevor Williams, uh, one of their new candidates coming over from Pittsburgh as a free agent to buy for a spot in the rotation, talked about this yesterday as well. He said, Hey, we we are in the major leagues because we've made pitches, because we've shown that we can uh, get people out. And on top of that, David, uh, you're talking about a team that was the best defensive team in the National League last year. They were given the team gold glove by, uh, by Rawlings last year. And it should be only improved this year 
uh, not taking anything away from um, Schwarber in left field, but you know Peterson should be a, a step up uh, in left field. And uh, you have guys like uh, Marisnik who is coming in as a, a late-game replacement to play center and left and fortify the defense when they have a lead in the game. So when you have guys that uh, pitch to contact, you must have a very outstanding defense. The Cubs showed that last year. They need to continue that on. That's kind of the way they're going to have to win games and series and, and kind of stay out in front, uh, if they can, in the division. How, the, how they're going to challenge the Cardinals. They're going to do it if they're going to do anything this year on their pitching and their defense. Obviously, there are questions about uh, an offense that re- remains somewhat broken since, since we heard Theo Epstein declare that a couple off-seasons ago. But if the Cubs are going to ride any momentum this year, it will be created, as you point out. I mean, that defense was something to be proud of last year for them. This pitching staff, you know, they feel like they're overlooked and maybe want to surprise some people, being not not intimidated, not, as Kyle Hendricks related, not intimidating with their velocity, but just in how they're able to outthink and outsmart maybe hitters. And that is the way they're going to do this. And I don't know if it's all going to come together, Bruce, but you do feel comfortable and confident that Kyle Hendricks is going to be as consistent as he has been in previous years. Now he just has to have others follow. You know, Zach Davies probably is more – is he your more likely number two starter? Alec Mills maybe fits in there in the fourth spot and Jake Arrieta in between those guys. You just wonder on any given series how the Cubs will plot and plan the rotation to try to vary the approach – with velocity and those guys whose strength is the pitchability. David Ross implied that uh, Jake might be the number two. Uh, that's what he thinks uh, the, the upside for him is in this rotation. So if, if it's Hendricks one, uh, Arietta two, and then Davies, you know, and Arietta is the hardest thrower of the group uh, at 90, around 92. So maybe that breaks it up a little bit more. Not necessarily that Jake is a number two, and uh, the greatest staff that they had, you know, back in 2015 and 16. But nonetheless, for this group, that that's the position he might fit in. So, you know, it's all, you know, it's based on premise right now. Uh, getting out of spring training with health in their pitching staff. We don't start talking about the health of uh, major league players until around the third or fourth day of, uh, of games, and all of a sudden people start start dropping off and. Uh, you know, the depth uh, is something we've heard Jed Hoyer talk about uh, with his pitching staff. We've heard about it from uh, the White Sox and Rick Hahn as well. The fact yep. that you, you have to have depth because you're going to have injuries. And, you know, that's an inevitability. And uh, whether or not you have that depth or not is going to challenge you to be uh, the best team that you can be or not in your division. It's a big storyline. And so is the uh, obviously the Cubs' ability or their their desire to lock up some of their core players long-term. And the other thing I like about Kyle Hendricks is just his overall awareness. He understands, you know, where the Cubs are in their state of development and growth. He understands what this season and, frankly, this spring training means to the future of this team and not necessarily on the field, but how they're able to maybe get agreements or, or have discussions with the core. And the core being now Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant the three big questions that sort of loom over this spring training and Kyle Hendricks he's a guy that got paid Bruce we remember a couple uh, 2019 he had, he got his four-year 56 million dollar extension he is locked up he is a part of that core 
but I appreciated what he had to say when he addressed some of those uh, uh, the situation, some of those questions earlier this week. It's all in the back of Absolutely. our heads for sure. Um, the position players aren't here yet. I haven't seen a lot of those guys, so you know I'm sure those conversations will take place. Um, you don't see, you know, you don't get this opportunity in the game very often to to play with these level of you know players for extended amount of years. It's that guys like Javi, Riz, KB, you know, all the Willie, all these studs we have on our in our group, and to be able to keep keep it together for this long has been unbelievable. So we uh, we're so close as a group. We feed off of each other, and I I guarantee everybody is thinking we know where we're at in this process, you know, and with all these new faces showing up and. But our our, um, our main goal is always the same. We focus on what we have in the clubhouse, and we, that's what we have to work with, and we know where we want to be at the end of the year. That's always making a long playoff run, you know. So, so yeah, we're not, we're not taking anything for granted. That's for sure. It started, you know, started the year before last probably. That you can't take anything for granted in this game. So we're, we're just really excited to have a lot of guys that are in this group together still and making one more run at this. Very aware young man there, Bruce. Kyle Hendricks. Absolutely. And speaking of aware young men, Cody Hoyer of the White Sox set to join us after these spots. When we come back on Inside the Clubhouse, we will talk to the White Sox young reliever. Cody Hoyer, Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am David Haw with Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock. And right now, we are pleased to go out to our hotline presented by Alpamani Ford, Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APFord.com. Bruce, we have a special guest. One of the power arms in your Chicago White Sox bullpen, Cody Hoyer, nice enough to join us from Glendale, Arizona, on this Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Cody. How are you today? Morning, Cody. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Yeah, we're, we're doing great. Thanks. Hey, uh, when you look around you uh, and you see uh, the additions to this team that were made on an already very good team and a very good bullpen from last year, what were your first thoughts when you, you saw everybody start to get ready? Oh, man, just off the top of my head, it's just the talent. Um, it's obvious. You walk around the locker room and the clubhouse and and around the field, and <laughs> there's so much talent on the field. Uh, it's it's really exciting. Um, got a lot of hard workers. Got a lot of guys that that have been doing it for a while, and it's an exciting thing to be around. Cody, last year you were in 21 games and you were three and zero. And I don't need to recite your statistics to you because I'm sure that they helped you enjoy the off season. But from a Sox fan's perspective. Uh, is it okay to be surprised at how quickly you rose through the ranks and contributed to the major league team? Because it would seem that it happened fast, and I wonder if it happened faster than you expected. Um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't say that's how I drew it up, but obviously <laughs> there's no com- no complaints on my end. Um, you know, I, I did what I had to do. I got a little lucky with COVID and and whatnot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. Um, I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm so happy to be on this on this club and and help them uh, ultimately get to a World Series. Cody, uh, when you uh, look at uh, Kurt Hassler, who's been a constant for you in the bullpen uh, as your bullpen coach there, and now you have a new pitching coach in Ethan Katz. Uh, what has he uh, uh, been 
towards you so far? What has he designed for you? Uh, is it uh, kind of a continuing on from uh, the success you had last year, or uh, has Katz already imparted some different things that he'd like you to do uh, than maybe Don Cooper did before that? Um, yeah, as of right now, we're kind of just just building off of off of where we left off, you know, from last season. Um, just keep building on my strengths and and seeing maybe where I got some weaknesses and and honestly right now we're just getting real fine tuned you know it's, it's it's early but we're feeling good and and he's just trying to learn me and I'm learning him as well so you drafted in the sixth round in 2018 you come out of Wichita State and as we said you rose through pretty quickly so there you are last year and it, it was an unusual season and there's no fans in the stands and there's a lot of things that contributed to the weirdness of of what 2020 became but what was the moment that you realized, oh, boy, I'm on a major league mound. This is much different than I've ever experienced before, and this is my welcome to MLB moment. <laughs> well, when we were going through that spring training 2.0 or, or summer camp or whatever you want to call it, uh, when we were in the stadium in Chicago, um, in there practicing every day, that was, you know, it kind of started to set in a little bit, and then all of a sudden opening day came around, and, and I was on the bump for opening day, and it was a little different without fans and all, but I'd say right about then it set in and I said, we're here. You know, I've, I've been trying to get here my whole life, you know, and it's a, it's a dream come true, and it was awesome, man. You know, I'd, obviously I want it the other way with fans and, and all that good stuff, but, man, I was pumped. It was, uh, it was really a dream come true. What has the Liam Hendricks experience been like? I know it's not like the Jimi Hendrix experience, but uh, it does have its own particular uh, psychedelic forms to it. Uh, what, what has it been like? Uh, he's, he's such an interesting uh, guy to, to hear from and talk to. Uh, have, you had, have you had any time with him yet? Oh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, we've been spending the last couple of days together. Um, he, you know, he keeps everything light. He's a great dude. Works hard. He's an ultra competitor, so it's been it's been cool to be able to you know sit down and watch him work and watch him do his thing and see what makes him click. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, to doing a lot more of that. To be honest with you. So Cody, you're a young guy. You're a jeans and boots guy from Montana. You come to the big city of Chicago. I know you weren't here for that long, and they were under some very unusual circumstances. But uh, what do you look forward to in terms of adjusting and adapting to the South Side of Chicago? Oh man, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the city a little bit. You know, we didn't really get to get to move around and go go to the restaurants I wanted to and all that. So hopefully, when it gets opened up, I'll get to experience a city like that. But you know, just from being there, summer was it was awesome in Chicago. No complaints. I, I love the city. I love the people. Love love the field. Love everything about it. Um, it was an awesome experience for sure. What do you feel a bullpen guy's persona has to be? And and you know, eventually. You know, you might be a setup man directly. You might be a closer. He's, you had many different roles last year. But from having watched uh, some of the veterans and people like uh, Colome last year, and now you'll be able to watch Hendricks and, and Bummer ascending into one of the uh, top pitchers in the game. What, uh, what type of uh, mentality, what type of role do you, you feel you have to fit into as a bullpen guy? Well, for me, <clears throat> being a bullpen guy uh... – you just got to be really diligent in your work. You know, you got to get to the field and find something to get better at every day and, you know, really trust in that process because, I mean, you got to be ready to help your team win every day, you know, if possible. 
Um, you got to have that that bulldog mentality, you know, coming out the gate whenever the bullpen phone rings, you're ready to go. Um, and that's really it, you know. It's a little bit different from a starter. You don't have the buildup and, and all that. Once that bullpen phone rings, you got to ready to go. <laughs> go get it. And uh, I like that. Um, that works for me. You know, some guys are different. But for me, when that bullpen phone rings it's and it's go time, then, then I have an easy time turning it on, you know, coming out the gate. So, yeah. So you're throwing in, in the Sox bullpen or a spring training, and you look around, and maybe there to your left is Garrett Crochet, and maybe there to your right is a Michael Kopech, and, and you guys are throwing heat, and all, all you guys in that bullpen are you know, full of power arms. How competitive is it, and, and how much does just being around guys who have maybe similar approaches enhance or your own approach or, or mindset or mentality? Because I would imagine that you have to take the mound with a certain, certain frame of mind. That's right. Um, we have so many arms, you know, with electric stuff. So anytime we got bullpens going on, you know, everybody's watching. You know, everybody wants to see everybody throw because whether they're throwing 100 or they got other nasty stuff, you know, you want to try to pick their brain and see see what makes them click. So it's been cool in that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, every time I tow the rubber for a bullpen or something, the guy to the left or the right of me, you know, he's – He's throwing just as hard, if not harder. Or he's got similar stuff. So, I mean, it's really cool to see everybody on the staff is, is nasty. We got a good chance of of showing the world that this year, and it's awesome. I'm excited, um, and I think Ethan Katz is going to be a great addition for that, and we're only going to go up from here. Cody Hoyer, the White Sox, joining us for just a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David Haw. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here with you every Saturday, 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year. Talking Chicago baseball, Cody. Uh, when you you look at uh, a situation like uh, your bullpen, and you look at uh, some of the things that Kurt Hassler, uh, your uh, bullpen coach, has for you, how, how much is it all about? Okay, we know you guys throw a hundred. We know that you uh, can command that. What about your off-speed pitch? And how much do you work on? Uh, other off-speed pitches as far as giving the hitter a different look, even though you're, you're probably only in there for one inning? Um, I treat my off-speed pitches the same as I would my fastball. I, I try to work on them just as much. Uh, I have to be able to rely on them just as much as my fastball. You know, In the big leagues, you can't just rely on a heater. Whether, whether you throw 100 or not, If it's still going to get hit. You know, These hitters are, are good. They've seen a lot of pitches. So you got to be able to mix it up and, and, and change speeds, and that's that's one of the big keys of pitching. So um, I put a lot of em- emphasis on my off speed, um, especially early in the year in spring training. You know, I want to get it dialed in and get get that feel right for when the season comes around. Cody, for a young pitcher such as yourself who's learning the league and wants to be a sponge and soak in as much information as possible, what kind of resource is Yasmani Grandal behind the plate, and how important is he to helping you edu- get educated about the American League and, and the hitters that you'll be facing? He's been great. I mean, anytime you have a backstop back there with that much experience and, and is that smart, um, it's a great great resource to go to every day. Um, whether I'm just throwing a bullpen and kind of want to pick his brain and see what he sees or whether I want to talk to him about maybe what uh, what a hitter would see that faces me or or anything really you know he's he's done it all for for many years so having a veteran guy like that in my back pocket is it's it's been amazing 
Okay, uh, who's uh, who's got a better uh, sense of humor and maybe a weird sense of humor than Evan Marshall? And uh, <laughs> what have you learned about what you might look like six or seven years from now as a uh, as a baseball lifer like Evan is? Because I know we have him on the show often, and and he's a lot of fun. Yeah, Evan's Evan's a great dude. You know, um, I spent a lot of time with him uh, in the bullpen and. And he's he's got a good sense of humor, man. He keeps it light, um, along with everybody in the bullpen, you know. Um, other than him, I mean, Liam's got Liam's pretty funny, man. Uh, we got a lot of funny dudes on this team, so to pick out one, I think would be unfair. <laughs> you know, Cody, right. Liam Hendricks said he he wanted the ball every day if possible. I think every reliever wants to have that sort of approach, but his role's defined. He was here and brought here and paid well to be the closer. Other guys have their own roles in mind. Do you, in your mind, have uh, some definition on what you'd like to do and, and how you how often you like to do it or when you'd like to pitch, and, and have they shared their plans with you in any way for 2021? Um, no, as of now, I just want to get the ball as much as possible. I want to be able to help help this squad, you know, go as far as possible and play as late as possible. Um, whatever role that, that means that I'm doing, I'll do it, man. It doesn't matter to me as long as we're winning. And like you said, yeah, Liam, he came in, get paid to be the closer. He's our guy, and that's that's sweet, man. All of all the bullpens ready to ready to back him up, and and uh, it's gonna be cool to see how the bullpen plays out in terms of roles. And I'm excited, man. All eyes are on Tony Larusa in the baseball world, watching him come back after 10 years to manage the White Sox this year. What have, uh, have you had any moments with Tony yet? And uh, what what are your thoughts about his return and uh, being your manager? You know, I'm excited. Um, we've had a couple quick brief meetings and, and picked his brain a little bit, and he seems awesome. Um, I'm really excited to continue to work with him throughout spring and uh, throughout the season, man. Um, he's got a lot of experience. Um, he's 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 got everything. So as a young guy, it's, it's, it's awesome to uh, be able to sit down and pick his brain as well. Cody, we have to let you go, but before we do, I know that you grew up as a kid. At one point, the dream was to become an NFL quarterback. You're coming to a city that needs one. You, uh, <laughs> you Can you still throw the spiral? Could you, could you hit a deep route? What do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can, I can still turn it over down the field for sure. <laughs> well, keep that in mind if things don't work out with this baseball thing. But I think the Sox are going to need you this year. Thank you so much, Cody. Best of luck. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cody Hoyer, the fine young White Sox relief pitcher, uh, 23 years old, Bruce, and comes to the Sox sixth-round draft pick. Boy, was he a revelation last year, a pleasant surprise, and you just wonder if uh, where he fits in. He's 24, excuse me. And, boy, he's, he's, he's all of 24. He's a grizzled veteran at this point. He is somebody who I, I think they're, they're going to come to find is uh, he has a kind of year again that he did last year. Boy, what a bullpen. Can you imagine throwing 98 and looking to the left, as you pointed out, and looking to the right, and you got guys throwing 101, 102, making your 98 look soft? I mean, <laughs> that is the luxury of what they have with crochet on one side, and as you pointed out, uh, you know, with Kopech on the other, that is a loaded arm. And uh, and then you have the guys that have pitchability as well, the term we were using all day today. And, you know, guys like Marshall and uh, and other pitchers in that pen that just know how to get people out. 
Fun guy, 6'5", 190, one of those monsters that Liam Hendricks was referring to. That was a fun interview. So, Bruce, we're not done yet. We have another fun interview coming up. Bugshiambi next on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.